You're listening to The Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tide or Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for The Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Good morning, everybody. Let's do this. It's the Tuesday edition of the Gary Harris Show for Tuesday, November 28, 2023. November fastly, 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 fast, whatever. It's 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 getting late in the month. <laughs> you know, we've got a couple more days. Hard to believe that uh, Friday is going to be the first day of December. It has uh, flown by. This year has. This football season has. Uh, but we're ready to go today with another really good show on tap. I'll run it down for you here in uh, just a moment. I'm your host, Gary Harris. i got Noah Haynes right there on the other side of the glass, manning the controls and taking your phone calls on the First Domain Condos hotline at 205-342-9904. So be free uh, and uh, give us a call if you feel free to do so. We were packed with phone calls yesterday. Love the interaction. A lot of uh, big opinions on the Iron Bowl. A lot of big opinion on this college football playoff in the upcoming coming SEC championship game, so we'll entertain those phone calls again today. Before I tell you the lineup, let's go ahead and let me uh, let you know that this hour of the Gary Harris Show brought to you by Alabama Credit Union. Convenience and savings make life better. The ACU Lifestyle Account. Learn more at alabamacu.com. That's alabamacu.com. Alabama Credit Union loans for real life. Some rules and restrictions do apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your money. And put a little extra change in your pocket. Or right, here's the rundown of the day. It's going to be busy at uh, 9.30. It's the Rocket Man, Drew Armand from 977 ESPN Radio in Huntsville, Alabama. He's going to join us for his weekly visit to talk some ball, plenty of Bama football and basketball to chat with Drew about. And then at uh, 10.15, we're going to have Lee Smith from uh, CBS 46 in Atlanta. He's an Alabama grad, but uh, he is the uh, award-winning Georgia broadcast sports photographer of the year and he covers of course the georgia bulldogs there and give us a little bit of the perspective on what's happening there uh, with the number one ranked dogs and then at 10 30 my friend coach randy ross longtime uh assistant football coach in the southeastern conference former recruiting coordinator at the university of alabama also coached at uh, vanderbilt arkansas smu and uh, randy is gonna join us to talk about uh where we're at right now with college football and where we're headed. So we look forward to visiting with Randy this morning at 1030. As I said, your phone calls are welcome at uh, 205-342-9904. Also, uh, Nick Saban met with the media on Monday for his weekly press conference. And uh, Noah's got those clips. If we get an opportunity, we will get a few of those as well. Um you know how that is with me. Sometimes we get a couple of them in. Sometimes we don't, just depending on how the show goes. But if we get an opportunity, Nick Saban had a lot to say yesterday uh, because of the fact that uh, they're getting ready to play the uh, the Georgia Bulldogs. So also uh, Kirby Smart w- met with the media as well uh, on Monday and uh, might even get a little bit of that in for you as well this morning, uh, the head coach of the Georgia Bulldogs and the former Alabama defensive coordinator. Monday night football last night. I tried to watch this one at the TV station when I was getting ready to do the 10 o'clock sports and hard game to watch (laughs) a lot of bad football last night let me tell you this the bears won the game without scoring a touchdown and that's hard to do in in this day and age 
Uh, you don't do that very often anymore uh, in the NFL. They just, you know, score too many points. But uh, the Bears kicked four field goals and beat the Vikings 12 to 10. The Bears controlled the game. They deserved to win the game. Um, you know, and, and Josh Dobbs, everyone had been celebrating his meteoric rise as the Vikings starter after coming over from Arizona when Kirk Cousins got uh uh, I think Torin Achilles was out for the year, and Dobbs came in in like a few days, led them to victory, and had been playing great. But here's the deal, <clears throat> and again, I love the NFL. I'm not an NFL expert, but I have people all the time say, well, man, and listen, I've said this about A.J. McCarron his whole career. You know, why was he pegged as an NFL backup? But but he has been. He's never really been given an opportunity to be a starter. So when Josh Dobbs got over there and started playing well for the Vikings, people were like, oh, my gosh, man, how did so many teams miss on him? How, how has he been with so many teams and not been a starter? Well, usually there's a reason you're not a starter. And when you become a starter, everything's different. And you play more snaps. There's more opportunities to make mistakes. And people start game planning for you. They get a book on you. They start devising schemes to shut you down. They know what you do. You don't come in, you know, in the third quarter after a guy uh, gets nicked and play 25 snaps and, you know, throw 12 passes and go 10 for 12 for 115 yards and a couple touchdowns. When you got to play 60 snaps and you're playing every snap and defenses are, are locked in on you, um, it's different. And last night, Josh Dobbs looked like what he's been for his career. He looked like a backup quarterback. And that's not to say that he hasn't played well. And that's not to say that he won't play well in the future. And I don't know. Maybe he is a starter in the league. Maybe he'll prove that. But last night, 22 of 32 for 185 yards, a touchdown, and four interceptions. Four interceptions. Now, Justin Fields wasn't great. And he had a couple of fumbles, 27 to 37 for 217. That's only 5.9 yards per completion. Dobbs only had 5.8 yards per completion. Fields did not have any interceptions. And he did lead that late drive to kick the field goal to win the game, but he lost two fumbles. So it was an ugly game. And Josh Dobbs, for the first time since he's been in Minnesota, looked a little bit lost. The Bears defense <clears throat> absolutely shut him down. Other than the one drive, and he did get a touchdown out of it, but he had a horrible game. So, again, I, I don't know what that means for the Vikings going forward. They're 6-6. Six and six. They're still very much in the playoff hunt, but that was a costly loss last night for Minnesota. When you lose at home to a three-win team in your division, that's a bad loss. And Josh Dobbs looked like what he has been throughout his career. He looked like a backup quarterback. And and I've said this, and again, like I said, it's frustrated me that A.J. McCarron's never really gotten a shot. But that league is all about winning. It's all about trying to find somebody that can help you win games. And usually if you've been in the league for a while, if, if somebody in one of those 32 teams thinks you're a NFL starting caliber quarterback, someone will give you an opportunity as a starter. And when you don't get that, there's, there's usually a reason why. And sometimes we don't see it. 
They're like, man, my guy came in. He looked great. So, again, it is what it is. Joshua Dobbs is, um, I think this is his sixth or seventh year in the league. Um, I'm not sure on that, but somewhere around that. I mean, I think he wrapped up at Tennessee, you know, 2016, 2017 or something like that was his last year. So he's six or seven years in the league. And the fact that he's never been a starting quarterback, a regular starting quarterback, you know, all I'm saying is that there is a reason for that. Okay. So anyway, costly loss for the Vikings last night. Uh, college football, uh, Jeff uh, Levy is going to be the new, uh, Head coach at Mississippi State. He flew in there Sunday night. I think they're going to have the press conference today. Uh, Mike Elko introduced yesterday or yesterday afternoon as the head coach at Texas A&M. And, um, you know, I think he'll do a good job. I, you know, he did a good job when he was with Jimbo there as the defensive coordinator. He did a good job in two years at Duke. You know, it's it's one of those things where I don't know what happened with the whole Mark Stoops deal. I think that... Um, Again, I'm, I'm on the outside, completely on the outside looking in. But from what I've read, I'm saying this from what I've read, um, Mark Stoops was in line to be the Texas A&M coach. Um, Mark Stoops had a big game to coach at Kentucky on Saturday against Louisville, at Louisville, in a rivalry game, Louisville 10-1. and <clears throat> And I think rightfully so. I think Mark Stoops... You know, just said, hey, we're going to have to pick this back up after the game. I, I've got to focus on the game. So Kentucky wins that game. And then after that game, I think that the conversations crank right back up about Mark Stoops being the coach at A&M. But I think A&M wanted to get someone hired quickly. And I, and I just get the feeling based on what I've read that there's, you know, that's a big deal. You know, Mark Stoops has got a job in which he's happy. They like him up there in Lexington. Uh, he broke Coach Bryant's record for most wins as a Kentucky head coach. And um, I, I just think he needed time to get his ducks in a row and staff-wise find out who was going to be able to go and not be able to go. That's a big deal for a coach. When they're leaving one job and taking another, they usually want to know, you know, are they going to be able to bring their staff? Are they going to have complete control over who's hired? And um, I just think that from what I read, again, I got no personal knowledge of any of this, but from what I read, following uh, reading people that have followed that, that situation was that Mark Stoops um, just decided that he needed time to, you know, get everything together. And I think A&M maybe didn't give him the assurances that he wanted to hear in regards to staff members and things like that. So it just, it just, it didn't happen. <clears throat> and uh, Mike Elko was the fallback candidate. Elko was immediately ready to take the job. No questions asked. And so it fell through with Stoops. Stoops is staying in Kentucky. Elko from Duke gets the, gets the job. And yesterday uh, said all the right things and about you know, all the, the resources that A&M have, and if we're the best versions of ourselves, we can be a win a national championship. Well, they're still waiting to be the best versions of themselves because they've been chasing that national championship for as long as I can remember and have not been able to catch it. So anyway, all right, we're off and running. It's 9-13 here on the Gary Harris Show. We're going to get to the break. When we come back, we're going to get to Philip and Lewis on the First Demand Condos hotline. The Rocket Man, Drew Armin coming up at 9-30. Plenty of guests, plenty of phone calls, plenty of information. The Gary Harris Show for a Tuesday morning will return right after this. Stay with us.
This season of Alabama football brought to you by Pearl River Resort, Choctaw, Mississippi. Your destination for casino thrills, family fun, and live entertainment. This is Crimson Tide Today. It's a daily update on Bama Sports, and it's brought to you by Everwood, the official treated lumber of Alabama athletics. Everwood, wood treated right. Hello again, everybody. I'm Roger Hoover. Alabama started preparations for the SEC championship game on Monday. Crimson Tide head coach Nick Saban met with the media. So when I went to church yesterday, the first thing I said was, um, thank God what could have happened didn't happen. So, um... You know, we did, I think it's just reviewing this game, a little bit of a reality check. You know, one of the things that we wanted to do in the game was channel our passion and our energy into positive execution on the field. And I think when we did that, we played really, really well. Uh, But there were some times where we didn't, and it was very costly in terms of some of the errors that we made, whether they were penalties or um, mistakes on defense or whatever it might be. So... The reality check part comes from taking the good things and building on them. I'll have more in a moment. Producing championship-quality lumber is not an easy process, but at Everwood Preserving, it's our only process. Wood treated right. Everwood offers top-notch pressure-treated wood for decks, outdoor structures, commercial jobs, and more that you can build your reputation on. When it comes to quality, we're on the winning team. Visit your local Everwood dealer today and discover the difference for yourself. Everwood Preserving Incorporated, the official lumber of the Alabama Crimson Tide. Join us tonight for Alabama. Alabama men's basketball against Clemson in the ACC-SEC Challenge. Our radio coverage across the network will start from Coleman Coliseum at 7.30 p.m. Central, leading you up to tip-off at 8.30 p.m. Crimson Tide Today is brought to you by Everwood. Crimson Tide Today is a production of the Crimson Tide Sports Network from Learfield. Patterson Comer is dedicated to serving our clients at Patterson Comer. For when your finances are in perfect order, it just happens. But no matter what surprises come your way, Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. They offer an easy application process and fast decisions so you can stay focused on feeling good about whatever life brings your way. Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. Alabama Credit Union, loans for real life. Visit alabamacu.com to learn more. Some rules and restrictions apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your money. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A good supply of sunshine today, the high 51. Clear and cold tonight, the low 27. Tomorrow, sunny with a high of 56. Thursday, partly sunny during the day. Rain moves in Thursday night, the high Thursday, very close to 60. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 44 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You see him on WVUA 23 covering sports. And on Tider Insider TV on Tuesday nights. Don't miss a minute of the Gary Harris Show. Weekdays from 9 to 11 on Tide 100.9. 918, welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. We're going to get to some phone calls. Philip is going to lead us off, and uh, then we'll get to Lewis here on the Gary Harris Show. Good morning, Philip. Good morning, Gary. Hey, um, I got my scratch paper out and my pen, and my my top teams. All right, let's let's back up. The the only two the two teams that are guaranteed a spot right now in the top four are the winner of the Oregon and Washington game. Okay, so one of those are in. 
So one of those are in. So really, we're only talking about three other possibilities at this time. Is that right? Uh, I'm trying to get my head on straight here. Um, yeah, I assume so. I mean, if um, yeah. So so Washington or Oregon, the loser of that game's out. The winner of that game is definitely in. So if if Alabama, if Georgia gets upset, they could either fall completely out or go to about four. If if Michigan wins, they could fall completely out or go to about four. All right. So that's a little bit of an issue right there. If FSU wins out, I've got them at three. But if they lose, they're out. And that leaves some life for Texas and Alabama. But if Texas loses, they're out. So really, we're only, we're, we've got, really, the committee has already got one of their, kind of one of their teams already calculated in. It's kind of that way. That's the way I see it. And that would be Oregon or Washington. Yeah, I think they're the winner of that game is in. I, you know, there's some other, if you just start going through possibilities, you know, what if you had upsets galore? You know, Ohio State yeah, can wind up don't. getting in the picture somehow still, you know, but, uh, the yeah. odds of, of Iowa beating Michigan are, are, are long. I don't know how in the world if, if Iowa were to beat Michigan with their offense the way that it is that you could put Michigan in the playoff, uh, regardless of what they've done previously. I mean, Iowa's a, yeah. You know, an average team, um, based on, you know, all the metrics I've seen. So, uh, you know, if you had a bunch of upsets, everything could change. You know, Georgia could stay in. Mm-hmm. I guess technically Michigan could lose and stay in if enough other people, people lose. I mean, I still contend that if Alabama beats Georgia, um, they should go in over an undefeated FSU. That's my opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, yeah. I, say well, well, I, I, do, I, I do think, the, I do think the committee would love to have a Michigan versus Washington or Oregon. Rose Bowl matchup. I do think they'd love that. Uh, I, uh, that's to me. That's just very obvious. So Alabama's got a chance. You know, I I think they've got to put a strong, strong performance in, together in order to beat Georgia. Period. And I think they've got to score at least a minimum of twenty four points. I don't know how you feel about that. Uh, you know. Philip, I don't, yeah, I mean, I'm listening to you and I, I, I just haven't spent that much time breaking it down as you have at this point. I'm, I'm, I'll be honest with you. You probably hear it in my voice. I'm a little, I'm a little worn out with it. I mean, now it's like, <laughs> let's go play the games and, you know, I, and see who wins and add it up and see what happens. I, it's an unusual year. Uh, the final year of the 14 playoff that we have this many good teams with this many good records. This has not been an issue until this year. Uh, any other year, Alabama and Georgia would be sitting here, uh, just like two years ago with Alabama knowing if they won the game there in the playoff and Georgia probably could still lose and be in the playoff. That's not the case this year. It's, 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 uh, it's a little bit of a mess. So I'm just going to, I'm going to at this point, I, the biggest thing for me, Philip, is to see if Alabama can beat Georgia. And I'll be honest with you. I got to make my pick tonight on Tider Insider Television. I'm, I'm leaning toward Georgia. I mean, just, oh, yeah. you know, and that, and I hope I'm wrong, but if I pick Georgia, it's yeah. because I think they're going to win the game. And, uh, I think right now, as I sit here this morning, I, I think Georgia's a, a better team than Alabama. I think Alabama's a terrific team. I think Alabama can win the game, but I do think right now, I think Georgia's a more complete football team than Alabama is. So, you know, uh, if Alabama doesn't win, no, the rest of it really means much to me. I'll be honest with you. <laughs> yeah, I hope that Alabama can come down off that Auburn win. That's going to be tough. That's going to be tough to come down off that. 
Well, yes and no. I mean, the same thing happened two years ago. They had, you know, had to go 98 yards, 97 yards and a minute and something with no timeouts and four overtimes and they were able to come back and, and, and I think some, in some ways that invigorates you because you won the game, but you, you know, let's be honest. It's a team again in Auburn. I don't care what the rivalry says. That's a team in Auburn that the week before, you know, got, pounded by New Mexico State. So I think Alabama gets back this week and understands who they're playing and that they've got to do I, I, you know they're the, they're the hunter now. You know, I mean that's that's a, a position they're not in very often. Um and I think they like it. I think they like being the underdog a little bit and just go out and play. And nobody, you know, most people around the country are going to pick Georgia to win the game and I get it. So Alabama gets to be in the role that Auburn was in last week and sometimes sometimes that's a little more fun. So we'll see what happens. Yeah. Well, Dad, I hope your mom's okay. She okay? She's out of the hospital and doing much better. Thank you, Philip. All right, man. Have a good one. Appreciate you. All right, let's get to uh, Lewis. Good morning, Lewis. Good morning, Gary. Uh, I have a comment about the, the pro quarterbacks. I like what you had to say. I just have a comment about that. But as an aside, the Mark Stoops, I know uh, uh, Texas A&M pays them good money when they fire them, but they're delusional. They think they're to be – you know, playing for national championships every year, and, and when have they ever done that? He he should thank his lucky stars if he wins eight or nine games a year, uh, something like that at Kentucky. They're going to pay him that nine million a year. You know, I mean, I, I just think he he's smart to stay there. But I like what you had to say about the the, the rookie quarterback. You know, I live in Nashville, and Will Levis. You know, he set a record uh, that he tied a record actually with four touchdown passes in his first game, and it's, it's been pretty tough going since then. Now, he's played okay, but, of course, the Titans have got other issues. But you're right. They see film. They they, they study these players for a game or two, and then, and then it's not the same as the big splash they make. And lastly, I wonder what your comment is about uh, uh, the Carolina Panthers firing their head coach. I watched the game Sunday uh, with the Titans and the and – the, uh, Carolina, and I, I felt bad for Bryce. He just doesn't have anything to work with there, and I, he was running for his life. Yeah, terrible offensive line, no, no, no playmakers. I, I think that David Tepper, the owner, has you know is one of these guys that's got a ton of money. Um, he wants to be involved, and I'll be honest with you, I, I didn't. I, I'm a Frank Reich fan. I, you know, I thought he was a good head coach when he was with the Colts. Uh, I think he was going to be patient with Bryce, and and I think Tepper just got uh, impatient. And you know, I, again, just like you were saying with Bryce, I don't know how you can blame Frank Reich for the you know what he inherited. They're just not a good team. And um, but I, I would have liked to have seen Frank Reich stay there because I think he he's a quarterback. I think he was bringing Bryce along, understanding that they don't have very many weapons. Now, are they hard to watch? Yeah, they're bad. That's a bad team, bad offense. But um, yeah. I don't see where firing Frank Reich is going to help them. But you know what? When you're the owner and you invest those millions of dollars, you can do whatever you want. But I just thought that was a case of an owner just not having any patience at all. And you can't fire the team. You can't cut everybody. So he fired the coach. Yeah, Gary. <laughs> good comment. Hey, man, roll tide. I'll talk to you soon. Thank you, Lewis. Always good to hear from you. All right, let's get the Cowboy out in uh, Big D, Dallas, Texas. Hey, Cowboy. How you doing, Gary? Doing well. That's good. Well, I I survived uh, Saturday night. I, uh, I'll tell you what, I, I don't get upset at any ball games like I do when we play Auburn and Jordan Hare. I just, I grew up, my father was from that area Went to Auburn, but toured to Alabama, and 
I've always been Alabama fan. His buddies were Auburn people, and you know, really, and I've got some Auburn friends, and I know how they they can't stand Alabama in the bottom of the right, you know, gut right, and vile right. and everything. The real true Auburn folks, you know, and and I just still can't fathom how we always go down there and play right into the mess. It just never fails, or, or it's the officiating crew doing something. Or, or, or well, whatever, yeah, you know the key to the key to, to winning down there handily is obviously is to separate from them, and uh, the last time they were able to separate a little bit was 2015. Um, obviously in 2011, they, they put a pretty good beat down on them, but you know, they had a chance to separate early in this game. You're up seven, nothing. Auburn hasn't had a first down. You drove the ball the first drive right down their throats and the second drive, fourth and one, whatever from the 40 yard line. You have a great play call dialed up to Kendrick Law. He busted through untouched for a touchdown. It's going to be 14 to nothing. You're, you're, I think going to boat, boat race them. You separated right off the bat and Dupree gets called for the hook. And, um, you know, that, that's, uh, yeah. that's what I call a nitpicky call simply because that happens a lot and it's very rarely called. Very rarely you see that called, but you knew, as I said on the show, once Alabama, that face mask wasn't called, an obvious face oh, mask, yeah. even though it would have been offsetting penalties. Uh, you just knew then, uh, that you just got to feel it. Any Alabama can't get any calls and they, and they didn't. I mean, they got out a double, more than double the penalty yardage that Auburn had, but that was your chance right there. Now give Auburn credit. Not only did you not get the touchdown, then the, then Burnup hits his worst punt of the year, like a, like a 10 yard punt. And instead of having them pinned down there inside the 10, you've got, they got the ball at the 30 something yard line and they go run it right down your throats. And then you're right. From then on, it was game, game on. You can't, you, you, two things down there. You got, you, you, you can't get two touchdowns called back, which they did. And you can't have crucial penalties and obviously turnovers, which they didn't turn the ball over, but you, you, you can't separate when you have those things happen, even though you're the better team. And I, there's, I watch right. that game and I give Auburn credit for being there. And yes, once you got somebody fourth and goal from the 31 yard line, you should win the game, period. But it should have never been mm-hmm. in Alabama should have never been in that position. They should have been able to separate mm-hmm. from that team, but the stupid penalties, some of which I question and, and, you know, uh, Jalen as well as he played, um, you know, crossing the line of scrimmage to throw that ball to Nye Black that time when he could have just put his head down and ran, if not yeah, for a touchdown, yeah, 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 certainly yeah, for a yeah, first down. Yeah. You know, that's four points yeah. off the board there, you know? Yeah, and yeah. so Alabama, uh, you're right. They don't play clean enough to get on top of that team. Here, see, so here's the thing. Again, I'm starting to sound like I think I'm a coach this morning breaking all this NFL, but if you, if you, if you get, if you get on top of them, by a couple of scores. Right. They can't run That's the right. ball every play. You know, you right. it, it, it changes the way they have to play. As long as they're within one score, you are obviously the lead, then they can run the offense the way they want to run it. Yeah. They can run yeah. that football. They didn't want to put that game in, in, in yeah. Peyton Thorne's hands. He's, he's not good enough. But Alabama right. couldn't get – you get up on them by 14, 17 points, they can't just sit there and run the ball. And you know, Gary changes everything uh, they do offensively. Right. You know, some people might think I'm a little goofy when I say this, but on that fourth and one there at Auburn, that early in the ball game, me personally, if I'm the head coach there and I'm not criticizing Coach Saban, I'm gonna I'm gonna punt the football and pin them back. Even though we went for it, we had the right play, we had it dialed up, but you know, I, I just 
I would have punted there to try to keep no crowd momentum in it. And then when they got the penalty, it just the whole one turns. And then another thing that always happens at Auburn, when we go into that student section goal line, we, we'll get a crucial penalty, and then we'll have to kick a field goal, and you know we're going to miss it. We missed like two or three in well, that's what I just said. Uh, yeah, you can't. You, no matter how good, you can't kick field goals down there and win. Uh, Alabama got no. fortunate to win the game. Like you got it when you're down there, and, and and you you know maybe two years from now, it it'll go the way Alabama would like it to go. But you're right. I mean, there's a script that that you have to have to separate from them, and there's a script that Auburn has to have to stay in the game. And they managed yeah. to, you know, again, I. It, I disagree with you 100 percent on the. the I, I think that was a great call because they knew they had that play. They had that play dialed up. Yeah, they yeah, knew it I was going to go. Uh, you know, all, all Dupree had to do, and I, I don't really blame him. I didn't. You know, all he had to do was just stand in front of the guy. I mean, the guy was not going to make the tackle. Yeah. I mean, he was on the inside yeah. of the play, lost fast. You go up 14 nothing there. In my opinion, in my opinion, the game's over. Hey, I got to get to the break. Right. Appreciate it, Cowboy. All right, well, good talking with you. Uh. That's a good basketball game tonight. Yeah, good one. Alabama needs to win it. And we'll talk more about it later in the yeah. show. All right, we're going to get to the break. We'll come back with the Rocket Man, Drew Arvin, next right here on the Gary Harris Show. Alabama, Georgia. 10-5. Touchdown, Alabama. It's the SEC Championship live from Atlanta, Georgia. Let's get out of here again. Alabama wins it. Here on the Tide this Saturday as the Crimson Tide look to get revenge on the Bulldogs. Our coverage starts at noon from Mercedes-Benz Stadium in Atlanta, Georgia. On your home for Alabama football. Brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse. BirminghamRacecourse.com. You can be a winner, too. As much as industry has evolved, it will always be that place to escape and have a good time. Whether it's for a game day weekend, to reminisce on college days, or to create new memories, if you're looking for a good time, there's only one thing to do. Head to the free at 1925 University Boulevard. And don't forget about the Lucky Lunch Meet and 3 special Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m. PM, get a meat and free vegetables for just eight forty nine, or for a lighter appetite, try the Lucky Lunch soup, salad, or sandwich combo. I'll see you at the free. It's back. Stay up to date with the Crimson Tide, local high school sports, and Bama in the pros right here on Tide one hundred point nine. Seven ESPN Radio in Huntsville is weekly segment here on the Gary Harris Show. How are you doing, Drew? Drew, you with me? Okay, Drew's not with me. I'm sorry, Noah. I thought he was there. All right, we'll get Drew on the line. I uh, heard the music. Thought we were ready to ready to go with Rudy Armin. All right, we'll get him on the phone here in just a second. Um, we mentioned the basketball game, or Cowboy did. Yeah, big one tonight for the Crimson Tide against Clemson. Uh, at home and um, for Alabama over the weekend, you've got to look at the fact that they lost the first game of the uh, of the season on Friday night against uh, Ohio State in a game where Ohio State, quite frankly, just played better than Alabama did. And uh, one of those things where they shot the lights out and um, they beat the Tide. You know, just sometimes you just get beat in 92, 80, 81, but Alabama bounced back with 99 points against, uh, against Oregon on Saturday down there in Destin in that Emerald Coast Classic and won 99, 91. So now tonight, 830 is part of that ACC SEC challenge. So it's a late tip for the Tide and the Tigers tonight at uh, Coleman Coliseum. And 
I hate those late tips on a Tuesday night uh, because uh, I can't go. I've got to Tider Insider TV, and then I've got the 10 o'clock news. So, but um, we're going to ask Drew about that as well. All right, I think we're finally going to get Drew. All right, we finally got Drew here. So uh, let me, uh, Drew, you with us? Yeah, I'm here. Okay, I did a big, I did a big intro a while ago with Rocket Man, and you weren't even there. So, got you now, though. Um, lot to cover this morning. Uh, Iron Bowl, um, you know, I guess an instant classic <laughs> the way it ended, but certainly it was a frustrating game for Alabama throughout that game. I, th- I thought Alabama, if they could have just separated and got a, you know, got that two score lead, would have taken Auburn out of everything they wanted to do offensively. I think Alabama could have went ahead and, and won the thing handedly. If the, if the Kittery Law touchdown early in the game doesn't come back, I think it's a whole different game, but that's football and that's what seems to happen to Alabama down there. Penalties, uh, no turnovers, thank goodness, but penalties, some poor decision making at times and, uh, you turn around and you got a game in the fourth quarter and that's what Auburn wants and uh, thankfully uh, the Milrow Miracle pulls it out for the tide. Yeah, they won the game, Gary. The better team won. Uh, they did not play their best football. They should have won by three touchdowns but uh, that's the way the game goes sometimes. But if you're a playoff team, if you're a championship team, you find a way to win. Alabama played with a lot of mental toughness in the game. Mo Larry and Curley officiated. It was horrendous, just like it was when that clown patrol crew uh, did the uh, Tennessee game last year. They did not have control of the game. That's why a WWE fight nearly broke out at the end of the game because they had no control over it. But Alabama controlled what they could control, and that was winning the game. I thought Milrose poise was outstanding. Uh, I never thought he looked rattled in the game. Uh, I know he got a couple penalties for throwing the ball when he's across the line of scrimmage, but those were just those were poor decisions, but I didn't think it was because he was getting caught up in the atmosphere. It's just, you know, football plays. But I thought he, he stayed very poised, uh, especially on that last drive when you consider that the two plays before the, uh, 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 the, uh, what, what, I guess what they're going to call the fourth and 31, I guess the grave digger, uh, is, is, uh, you know, he had, they had the snap, the, the bad snap. And then they had the, uh, the, uh, where he did throw the ball over the line of scrimmage. So again, it, but I thought he showed a lot of mental toughness, doing a great job, uh, you know, uh, keeping, uh, his team in the game. And then on the last play, I mean, I, if I were Auburn, I would have rushed more than two, but they did not. Uh, you know, I, I thought, Jay, I thought Jalen surveyed the field and then it wasn't a Hail Mary, no. it was a laser beam and he threw a laser. Uh, to Isaiah Bond. Bond made a low blood pressure catch, kept working, uh, did a great job. It would have been good in the NFL. So I just thought it was a great job of finding a way to pull a game out of the fire. They certainly needed the fumble. But again, this Iron Bowl was kind of a two wrapped into one for me. One Alabama lost and one Alabama won in the past. And that was the, two, the 1997 Iron Bowl where Ed Sissom fumbled late, where Alabama had Auburn beat. This time Auburn muffed the punt. And it reminded me a little bit of the 2009 game into the fact of Alabama came in undefeated. Auburn had nothing to lose, played with their hair on fire. And Alabama, you know, had a chance or they had to win the game to, uh, you know, to, to ultimately reach the 
SEC championship game, Florida, which they and they were going to be an underdog like they are against Georgia, and then they went on to win the national championship. So there was a lot of similarities, and it was an interesting Iron Bowl, no doubt about it. But I thought the team showed a lot of mental toughness pulling the game out. Yeah, no doubt about it, and uh, <laughs> keeps Alabama's hopes and dreams and aspirations alive for the college football playoff. Obviously, you're also playing for an SEC championship on Saturday, and you get the mighty Georgia Bulldogs, winners of 29 in a row. They've uh, Past Alabama's record of 28 consecutive wins in the SEC twice with Coach Bryant and with Coach Dollings. Of course, uh, Saban's won 26 in a row, uh, going back to 15, 16, um, seasons. But the, um, you know, the bottom line is that the Georgia is, is the, you know, preeminent program in college football right now. Alabama's still right there and a win on Saturday, uh, could not only, uh, the throw in Georgia, but uh, put Alabama in the college football playoffs. So, uh, you know, just kind of handicap this matchup coming up on Saturday afternoon at Mercedes-Benz Stadium. Well, it's two best teams in college football. Um, I think I, I think Oregon's the third best team. I think Oregon's going to wipe the floor with Washington and end that debate. And I think, you know, that Florida State, even with Jordan Travis healthy in that week soft conference, they're not – I know they beat LSU, but uh, I don't think they're as good as Alabama or Georgia. Uh, and I think also when you look at Michigan and Ohio State, I've watched both of them. I think, you know, neither one of them are as good as Alabama or Georgia. So it's a play-in game. Unfortunately, I don't think unless things get really wild and even Texas loses, which I don't see happening, I don't think, I don't see a conference getting two in this year from the same league. But I do think that Alabama and Georgia are two at the top four. But it's just the way the cookie's going to crumble. And uh, if if if, uh, if there's four undefeated teams, if Georgia beats Alabama and and Washington wins, Florida State wins, Michigan wins, and that's going to be your top four because they're not going to eliminate an undefeated team. Uh, but again, I just think overall, when you look at it, uh, I think uh, that uh, that uh, when you and uh, when you break it all down, I think it's going to be a, a very even matchup. I think uh, you know I, I, I I'm picking Alabama 27-23 in a classic. But, I mean, Carson Beck has been amazing in his first four years as a starter. And they've done it without all their guys because, you know, Kendall Milton's been hurt some. He had his best game of the season coming off of that game against uh, against Georgia Tech. Uh, Brock Bowers, their best player, has been hurt. They've been out without Ladd McConkey, who's completely underrated. I mean, it's a really good team. DeJon Edwards is an outstanding back. Uh, they're probably not – they're a little bit more passing-centric than they have been even last year. It's not quite the same kind of style. Georgia's still very, very good. I think it's closer to what Mark Rick's Georgia teams look like, but they're better on defense uh, because of Kirby and Will Muschamp and Glenn Schumann. And so they don't have maybe the star power they've had on defense, but they're still really, really solid. And I just think it's going to come down to, you know, which team runs the football better uh, and controls the line of scrimmage, which team wins the plus-minus as far as the turnovers, and can Alabama make maybe a, a big play in the kicking game? Can they block a punt? Uh, can Caleb Downs take the punt back? Uh, you know, can Will Reichert be the difference as a, as a, a place kicker and become the all-time leading scorer like he should in the history of NCAA football? It's going to be the little things. It's going to come down to five or six plays. Uh, and I just think overall, it's a very even matchup because of Milrose development for Alabama and how much better he's gotten. Now, the injury to J- uh, Jason McClellan is, could be a wild card, but I do think Alabama has depth with Roy Dell Williams. Uh, certainly Jam Miller playing a, a more lately and even Justice Haynes. So I think Alabama should be fine at running back. But again, it's the things that Jace does away from the football, running pass routes, catching the ball, 
uh, blocking. They're going to have to you're going to have to be on point and be sharp uh, because again, you can't have the bad snaps in this game. You can't give up negative plays in this game because if you do, the other team is so good in the Georgia Bulldogs. It'll put you behind the the sticks. It'll put you behind uh, off schedule, and the Alabama can't have that. Alabama needs to start fast. They need to get a lead, and then they just need to play with a lot of confidence. And I think this is a confident team, a mentally tough team. I do think Alabama's defense has a little bit better pass rush than Georgia, and I think Alabama's offensive line has improved exponentially in the last month, but it's going to be uh, fascinating to see how they do in this Georgia matchup. Yeah, Drew, when you look at, at, at the game, I, I think uh, I think Alabama's offense could be a problem for Georgia's defense. I, th- I think Alabama's going to move the football. Uh, I do worry, as good as you know Alabama's defense is, I, I worry about that defensive front uh, holding up against that offensive line and, and Georgia being able to control the, the ball with the run game and then, you know, Beck can pick you apart. Uh, speak to that and, and the challenge that Alabama's going to have up front on the defensive line to be able to uh, disrupt Georgia's offensive timing and, and get them out of rhythm. Well, yeah, they're going to have to. I mean, that, that's the whole key. I mean, pressure is the key. Uh, it, you know, Stetson Bennett is a little bit more – it was a more mobile guy that could make plays outside the pocket than Carson Beck. I mean, Beck is not a tree back there, but Beck is not as dynamic a runner as Stetson Bennett. So what Alabama's got to do, they've got to push the pocket. They've got to they've got to move him off his spot. They have to pressure him. They have to hurry him. I mean, uh, and you're not going to just blitz. I mean, uh, you're, I don't. I, Alabama will blitz some, but I think they'll also try to get pressure from their organically from their front. Uh, they're going to have to play better than they did against Auburn. But the interesting thing is, Georgia struggled against Auburn too. You did a lot of things schematically against both teams, and both teams are so similar in Georgia and Alabama that he was able to move the football and run it a little bit. Uh, and so uh, again, you just you tip your hat to uh, hat to Auburn. They gave Georgia and Alabama all they wanted, but they didn't win. And if you're Alabama, it's a new game. Uh, you're playing against Georgia, who's uh, you know on a 29 game winning streak. They're the best team in the country right now. And you just you and I'll just say this: I've had people ask me what kind of game it'll be. I think Alabama's got to score at least in the high 20s. This is not you know 10 years ago as far as wide ball goes. Uh, these are these are not. You can't play to the defense. You've got to score points, and I think you've got to make big plays. And I think, you know, we didn't see Alabama make a ton of big plays against Auburn. Certainly the 68-yarder to Burton was huge, uh, that that deep ball. But I think Alabama's going to have to hit two or three of those against Georgia, and they have in the past. The key to beating Georgia has always been being able to protect the quarterback and make some plays down the field. And I think this receiver core for Alabama has gotten progressively better. Uh, you know, I, Malik Benson, I've been really impressed with the last few weeks. He's gotten better. Uh, Kobe Prentice wasn't involved really last week, but he's made plays. He certainly stepped up, uh, you know, against Kentucky. So he's capable of making a, a lot of plays. Nye Black can get down the field. Uh, certainly so can Jermaine Burton. So Alabama's got enough weapons in this game. They, the key is going to be up front. You've got to be able to block Georgia. And then I think Milrow, I didn't think he was, uh, he, he ran enough in the first half. I thought he was a little bit, uh, not, not cautious to do it. I thought they were looking to make plays down the field when I thought he could have taken off a couple times. He cannot be hesitant to take off against this Georgia team because I think Georgia's had trouble with some mobile quarterbacks. I think they'll probably try to spy Jalen. But he's got to make some plays with his legs because, quite frankly, 
when you look at his uh, stat line against Auburn, 260 through the air, and then uh, 107 on the ground, he's Alabama's most dynamic player. Drew DeArmond with us. Drew, uh, looking ahead to next year because uh, Chris Lowe put out an article last night, uh, some of the SEC uh, uh, matchups he has uh, got the intel on. What a schedule for Alabama next year. The game that jumps out at you, obviously, is a rematch of these two teams, September 28th in Tuscaloosa against Georgia. But also, Alabama has to go uh, to LSU on November 9th at Tennessee, November uh, October 19th, and at Oklahoma the week before the Iron Bowl. Uh, and I don't know who Auburn's got that week. I, it, obviously, it'll be an SEC game. But at Oklahoma on the 23rd, the Iron Bowl and Brian Denny at, at 30th. Of course, we knew out of conference they're going to Wisconsin on September 14th to play at legendary Camp Randall. So just your... Uh, your feelings on, on what you've seen from the schedule. It looks like it's going to be a pretty tough one. Yeah. Alabama don't play nobody, Gary. Alabama don't play nobody. That's what some of these uh, idiot fan bases will tell you and some of these schmucks on Twitter that cover uh, other teams and other conferences. Alabama's probably going to play as tough a schedule as anybody in the country. And Nick Saban knew that. Uh, he, they're not going to try to buy their way out of the Wisconsin game. Nick Saban wants to have games like this. He try he he wants to make it better for the fans to travel the games to watch quality opponents. Uh, you know he, he and Greg Byrne kind of you know they they put their heads together a few years ago and they started signing these deals. And I think they knew that there could be more conference realignment. It's a very difficult schedule, uh, no question about it. But guess what? It also coincides with the twelve team playoff. So if Alabama loses two games in the regular season next year, no need to panic because guess what? They're going to be in the playoff. Because there ain't nobody else going to be, even within the SEC, probably going to be playing as tough a schedule as Alabama. So that's the one thing they're going to challenge themselves. It should help recruiting because you're playing against, from coast to coast, you're going to a Camp Randall. That would be a, a very neat experience to play against Luke Bickle's bunch. So it's going to be, uh, you know, a very challenging schedule. Of course, you know, they'll have Tennessee and Knoxville. That'll be very challenging, uh, certainly. So uh, again, it's just one of those things. The SEC is the toughest conference in the country. You know, this year it's probably the SEC and the Pac-12, uh, you know, and I'll be honest with you, Gary, I, this is the way I think it's going to play out if Alabama beats Georgia. I think that the, the final four will be Michigan number one because they're going to beat Iowa. Iowa's terrible. Uh, even though they're 10-2, and two, they're just not very good. Uh, and then I think the two seed, uh, you know, when it all shakes out will be Oregon because they will beat, uh, you know, Washington. I think Texas will be the three seed. They'll win the Pac-12, or I mean the, the Big 12, excuse me. And then Alabama will be the four seed out of the SEC. But I don't see how you keep a 12-1 and Alabama team out of the college football playoff. And I'll throw this could be in there. I think Louisville will upset Florida State. And that will end this debate. Yeah, that certainly would. All right, Drew, we're getting up against the clock, so you got to have to go fast for me. Just real uh, quick, your reaction to Jeff Levy to Mississippi State and uh, Elko to uh, Texas A&M. I just thought both. That's where I thought both these searches were going. I got tipped off about a week ago that Levy. Uh, I found out today the other finalist for Mississippi State was John Summerall, good friend of mine at Troy. Uh, but it looks like I thought Levy would be the direction they were going. I would watch out. There might be a staff member at Alabama joining uh, the coaching staff for Jeff Levy. So uh, Nick Saban may be uh, filling a hole there. We'll see. Uh, and then I, I and then I thought Elko uh, certainly Stoops was almost done, but they got a lot of cooks in the kitchen. I think Elko is the best fit, though. It's not the sexiest, but it's probably the most solid. He knows the personnel there very well. He knows the culture, and I think much like Gary Patterson was the wizard behind the curtain for Franchoni, he was the wizard for uh, 
for Jimbo Fisher, and I think him taking over for Dirt Neck will be better for uh, A&M. And finally, a big basketball game tonight uh, against Clemson in that uh, ACC-SEC Challenge at 8.30 over the weekend in the Emerald Coast Classic on Friday night. Alabama got beat. Sometimes you just get beat. Ohio State played great. They did bounce back on Saturday with a 99-point effort. 99-91 went over a good Oregon team, although Oregon had a couple guys out. So, Bama basketball is uh, is 5-1, and one, scoring a lot of points. Defensively, there still seem to be some concerns, Drew. Yeah, the rim protection is still being worked out, no doubt about it, but they're still an extremely good offensive team. It's going to be a battle of tempos. Brad Brownell's been there a long time. Probably didn't get enough credit for what the job he's done at Clemson. They're coming off a 14-win season in the ACC. They're probably a top three or four team in that league and an NCAA tournament team. Uh, it's going to be a battle of tempos. They're going to want to slow it down. Alabama's going to want to speed it up. The key is going to be for Alabama. they got to come out, and they've got to guard better. Uh, they've got to protect the rim. And then they've got to run their stuff. I think they're very skilled offensively. I think it's NATO's most skilled offensive team. To me, the, the watermark is going to be if Alabama can score between 75 and 80 points. If they can get the, the, the pace of the game up into near 80 or, or more, then I think they're going to beat Clemson. If Clemson has the, if it's low 70s, high 60s, then the Tigers have a chance, a good chance to win it. But this is going to be a good test for Alabama and their schedule going forward. As you know, Gary, it's very, very difficult. Great stuff as always, Drew. And, uh, you got more information like this on all the different outlets that, uh, that you talk and write and inform people on. Yeah, Drew G977 ESPN is my Twitter account. Also, uh, uh, all, uh the, uh, you can get me at, uh, 977 ESPN. All of our content is on 977 ESPN.com and on our SoundCloud page. I do uh, the talking ball of Scott Tyson Monday through Friday from 7 to 9 a.m. Also do three times a week on the morning blitz in the 9 to 10 o'clock hour. And of course, you can, uh, you can read me on tighterinsider.com. I do contribute there. I'm proud to contribute with Rod Dior. And of course, we always enjoy being on Tide 109 uh, each and every Tuesday on the Gary Harris Show. Appreciate it, man. Thank you, Drew. Great segment as always with Drew Darman. We'll take a break and come back and wrap up the first hour of the Gary Harris Show right after this. This Alabama football season, the Gary Harris Show. Alabama Sports, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, I've been talking to you about the YMCA and that brand new cardio equipment. It is installed. Individual TV screens, on-demand fitness programming, streaming, and Bluetooth-capable brand new cardio equipment at your YMCA 2300 13th Street, downtown Tuscaloosa. All right, let's go wrap it up for hour number one. Thanks to Drew Army. Busy first hour, a busy second hour coming up as well. This hour has been brought to you by Alabama Credit Union. Visit alabamacu.com to learn more. Alabama Credit Union loans for real life. We'll be back with the second hour of the program. Keep it dialed in right here. Tide 100.9 FM, 1230 AM WTBC. And uh, we'll talk to you again in a few minutes. Los Tarascos has been serving Mexican favorites like burritos, fajitas, and quesadillas since 1999. Their new location is at 4100 Owen Parkway in Northport. And, of course, you can find Los Tarascos in Tuscaloosa at 110 Skyland Boulevard. The bar areas feature big screen television so you can enjoy your favorite sporting events. Los Tarascos features daily happy hour specials. And for the best Mexican cuisine in West Alabama, remember, the name is Los Tarascos with locations in Tuscaloosa and Northport. TBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a Town Square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. 
from the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. Here's Monsi Bolaños. The Chicago Bears have improved to 4-8 and eight after beating the Minnesota Vikings for Week 12, coming out on top 12-10. to 10. Minnesota is now 6-6 six and six for the season. Chicago's DJ Moore had 11 receptions and 114 yards. DJ runs a, a beautiful one cut. He's a great route runner. You know, and, you know, the way he played today, the way he took a lot of those short passes, you know, and, you know, take him for eight, nine yards at a time. And those aren't easy, you know, and he's a, he's a heck of an athlete and a better teammate. That was Bears head coach Matt Eberflus. In Major League Baseball, the Cubs and Reds are among the active teams in trade conversations for Cleveland's Shane Bieber and Tampa Bay's Tyler Glass now. And breaking news on the ice, this is according to ESPN, nine-time All-Star Patrick Kane is signing with the Detroit Red Wings as he returns to the NHL following off-season hip surgery. Always live. Always local. Dependable news coverage. The latest news only from the Tuscaloosa Thread Newsroom. Rain has knocked down the wildfire threat across Alabama. Only 11 are burning this morning, where a week ago it was more than 100. One to three inches of rainfall over the weekend and to early next week could end the wildfire threat and curtail the drought. Democrat New York U.S. Senator Chuck Schumer vowing to break Alabama Senator Tommy Tuberville's hold of top military promotions over the Pentagon's abortion policy. Schumer will introduce a resolution that would bypass Tuberville's hold on the promotion. For the latest Local news in Tuscaloosa. Alabama sports updates. And severe weather information. Download the free Tuscaloosa Threat app. Never pay for your news. And sign up for our daily newsletter with news updates. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, here we go. Hour number two, the Gary Harris Show, right here on Tide 100.9 FM, 1230 AM WTBC, the Tide 109 app, Tide109.com. Gary Noah Haynes for a second hour. This hour of the Gary Harris Show being brought to you by Patterson Comer Attorneys at Law. My friends, Paul Patterson and Mike Comer, they do it right. Integrity is at the core of everything that they do. They're right here in West Alabama. Paul is in Tuscaloosa. Mike is in Northport. And if you need a personal injury attorney or you've been involved in an automobile accident or any type of situation where you need help, I would encourage you to get in touch with Patterson Comer. You'll look them in the eye. Uh, they'll be with you the entire way, even if you have to go to court. Reach Paul in Northport at, uh, or reach Paul in Tuscaloosa, I should say, at 205-345-1000. Mike's in Northport at 205-759-3939. Toll free from anywhere, 866-507-9091. And remember, the commitment to the client does not end at the workday, end of the workday. Patterson Comer is committed to the client 24 hours a day, seven days a week. PattersonComerLawFirm.com. That's PattersonComerLawFirm.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of services performed by other lawyers. And we're going to get this second hour of the Gary Harris Show kicked off by jumping out on the First Domain Condominiums Hotline and talking with our pal Tom. Hey, Tom. Good morning, Gary. How are you this morning? Doing well, buddy. You know, uh, I was listening to the conversation between you and Drew about um, Alabama and their performance this past weekend. 
And, you know, when you go back and, and you get out of the emotions of the game and all that kind of stuff and you're looking at it, you know the outcome. You kind of start looking for stuff, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and you, you brought up this yesterday and then again today uh, that, you know, we were just uh, a touchdown away from Auburn actually laying down, you know, probably quitting in that game in the first quarter. But, you know, Alabama and, uh, and, and our kids just, no, we're not going to let you lay down here. Uh, let's, we're going to bring you some gifts. And, uh, and so don't you dare lay down because you got to make a game out of this and this, that, and the other. And, uh, so they woke up. So they started playing and, you know, it was ridiculous. But, uh, and also the fact that you brought up, uh, that you were going to choose uh, Georgia to win the game. I'm, lean, you know, I'm leaning there. I haven't made a final leaning. decision yet, Tom, but I'm going to still continue to break it down this afternoon when I get into the TV station. And as you know, i got to make a pick tonight on Tider Insider TV. Uh, right. So I'll, I'll, but yeah, I'm, 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 I'm leaning toward Georgia, but I'm not ready to 100%, you know, make that my call right now. And the reason you gave is a legitimate reason that uh, I don't know if uh, it's, I read Tider Insider every day. And Rodney uh, had an outstanding uh, take yesterday uh, on the front page of the uh, website. And it was uh, uh, some evaluations from the game this past weekend. And, and quite naturally, uh, Rodney being as good as he is, you know how good he is. Both of you together are very good. And, um, he pointed out that the defensive line has been slacking in the last two weeks. And, and I agree with it. I, I'm so outdone with the performance of our defensive line. And I brought it up to you yesterday. And then, uh, you and Rodney talked about it. And, uh, and then again today with Drew, and you caught Drew off guard because I think Drew had fell into the category of he thought they had gotten better, but they had they have not gotten better. And uh, and if they don't do something before this weekend, which I doubt if they can, it's going to be a long afternoon. And you're right to pick Georgia to win. Well, you know, again, I haven't made a final decision yet, and, you know, I might change my mind this afternoon, but I, I just think, you know, uh, regardless of what people think, uh, I do try to pick these games uh, objectively, and I and, and, and I don't pick against Alabama often. Who would, right? But, um, you know, I, I right now, just as good as Alabama is, and I think these could be the two best teams in the country, as good as Alabama is, uh the um, the Georgia Bulldogs might be a little bit better. So I, I think it's going to be a great game. I, I think Alabama can definitely win, Tom. Even if I pick against them, I'll be pulling for them, and I think that they can win. But right now, based on the evidence at hand, it's just hard for me in any game to pick against the Georgia Bulldogs right now. I mean, that's just, uh, um, that's just you know, that's just kind of where I'm at. Well, I just, I, I'm so disappointed. <clears throat> Two years in a row. Auburn has run on our defensive line to the tune of where uh, the running backs, not only were they past the first level of defense, they were well into the second uh, level of defense against our linebackers, and our linebackers were still trying to fight offensive linemen off 
to get to the running back. I mean, they, 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 this is this is so far out of touch with uh, successful uh, defensive play. I, I mean, I don't say I'm so disappointed in, in in the fact that we gave up so many yards two years in a row. And my, my finger points to one one thing, and that's the coaching they're getting from the defensive line coach, and and you know who it is and. His performance has been pathetic. Now, don't hand me this crap that, oh, he's a good recruiter because he's gotten his written. Nolan at A&M, Woods at Thompson. I can go down the list of people that he has missed on and, uh, for recruiting. So don't give me that, it's, it, it, that it, and, and uh, that, that he's valuable in recruiting. Well, he's not. All right, Tom. Well, I mean, I wanted your take on. Well, that. I, you wrong. know, I, listen, I, I've, you know, I think the defensive line needs to play well in this game, and I think at times this year they have played well. Do I think they've been consistent in their play? I don't. Uh, he is the defensive line coach. Um, you know, I, I like Freddie Roach a lot. And, um, it's got nothing to do whether you like, I know, I understand that, but it does, but yet, but it does, because I think that part likability is part of, you know, one of the reasons I think that he's done well in the coaching business. I I think he's likable. I think, uh, he has missed on some recruits. He's also reeled some in. So the only way I can answer that, Tom, and you know, this is the way I answer most of these questions is, um, well, no, I don't expect. No, 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 listen, is is that all the things, no, all the things that, that we see as fans that are not what we want them to be, I guarantee you, Nick Saban is aware of them. So at the end of the day, he's got to, uh, after every season, he has got, and he does, you know, he, he does the, his own self scout and goes through everything in the organization, the pluses, the minuses, and he grades everything out and he makes decisions based on what he, thinks is best for the organization. So um, I know you're sitting there saying, oh, Gary's giving one of these political correct answers, but I'm really not. No, no, I'm if, not saying If, that. if Nick Saban believes no, Freddie Roach I, I is, is – Well, if he believes I Freddie Roach is the best defensive line coach, it, you know, I just, again, I question Nick Saban at times too, but my gosh, at the end of the day, I just I, – I, I when I look at that record, I'm like, this guy's incredible. I mean, um, so – I, you know, even this year, yeah. I mean, to be where they're at right now is just a phenomenal accomplishment. And so I just trust Nick Saban to figure it all well, out. Look, let me, <laughs> let me, let me say this. You know, Freddie Roach is one of ours. He played at Alabama. We pulled for him when he was on the field. I pulled for him as a coach, but I am frustrated with, uh, with our performance on the defensive line. Now, do I want him to be successful? Yes. I do want, because if he's successful, we're winning. But I can also be disappointed, and and, uh, and the radio, uh, the show, is for people like me who are frustrated to call in. Absolutely. Absolutely. At the same time, if there's somebody out there who sees something I don't, I wish you would call in and say, uh, that Tom's wrong, and and uh, here's the reason why. Well, you that. know, it's not just for you to be a, for the. It's it's me too. You know, you know, I get frustrated. I'm still frustrated, even though that Iron Bowl was epic, and the Milrow Miracle, the Grave Digger play, um, it makes it a, one that we'll talk about for years and years and years. I'm frustrated that Alabama didn't go down there and handle their business the way they should have been able to. I do. am too. I am too. Because we should have won that game going forty five to nothing. Well, should have won it going away. I agree with you, Tom. And so, you know, I, I want this team to 
you know, and, and I talked with somebody that's that up that has some insight into the program about playing a clean game, and he told me maybe this team's just not capable of playing a clean game. But that may be what well, it takes to put, to beat Georgia. And if this team ever does get out of its own way, look out because then yeah, I agree with yeah. you. I agree a hundred percent. It's not like the ability and, and the IQ is not there. They have both, but. A, a former player told me, and I like to fell out when he said that. He said, well, they were running a, a running scheme that we hadn't seen before. I said, oh, it's a scheme to where three players stand in one gap? I said, is that a new kind of defense? <laughs> See you, Gary. All right, Tom. Good uh, good phone call right there. Noah, are we going to try to squeeze in one more before the break? Okay, no, good. Okay, yeah, well, we need to get the break then um, because when we come back on the other side, Lee Smith from CBS 46 in Atlanta is going to join us to talk Georgia Bulldogs and uh, their preparations for the SEC championship game. Keep it dialed into the Gary Harris Show right here on Tide 100.9 FM. We'll be right back after this. From our home base in Birmingham, Alabama. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. A good supply of sunshine today, the high 51. Clear and cold tonight, the low 27. Tomorrow, sunny with a high of 56. Thursday, partly sunny during the day. Rain moves in Thursday night. The high Thursday, very close to 60. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 46 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Did you miss any episode on Tide 100.9? Don't worry. All of our shows can be found on Spotify and Apple Music and on demand on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, 1017, welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. We're going to jump right back out on the First Domain Condominiums Hotline. First Domain Condominiums, luxury condominiums in beautiful historic downtown Northport. Check them out, man. They are unbelievable. I should know I live there, and I love it. All right, we got Lee Smith, award-winning uh, sports photographer from CBS 46 in Atlanta, University of Alabama graduate, but now working in the ATL and covering the Georgia Bulldogs. Good morning, Lee. How you doing, buddy? All right, just ready to get this uh, SEC championship going. Well, I'll see you on Saturday, and it is going to be a, a good one. Obviously, as I said, you graduated from UA, but you cover uh, UGA, and you're right in the middle of this uh, historic run. 29 wins in a row, back-to-back national championships. They've snapped Alabama's uh, SEC winning streak at 28 games. They're going for that three-peat that Alabama has not been able to do, have come close under Bryant, come close under under Stallings. Uh I mean, under uh, Saban, but here we are with Georgia with a chance to do it. What's your what's your vibe on this game Saturday at Mercedes-Benz Stadium? I tell you what, it, it's going to be electric as always when these two teams get together. Um, I, I I just don't know. I really don't know what to expect, though. I mean, other than um, Georgia's kind of coming out here, and they've had a lot of injuries. So it, I, I'll be kind of anxious to see who exactly – you know, puts on the pads for them because, quite frankly, they've got a lot of key injuries and they set out a lot of people against Georgia Tech. Um, so I, I'm not really sure what's going to happen, honestly. You watch this Georgia team, though, uh, under Kirby Smart, win them back-to-back, you know, get past Alabama two years ago, two years ago in the national championship game. We're just a, a dominant team last year. And as you said, you lose Stetson Bennett, um, you know, maybe they're not as dominant, but they are 11 and 0. And it just seems like every time the team pushes them, they've, they've got the answers. What, what is it specifically you, I know it starts with talent, but what is it you've seen from this Georgia team that has allowed them to win 29 games in a row? It, it, I, I, 
it just goes back to basically what I, I, I it's Kirby and basically having that that Saban DNA. I, I, it's I, they're cut from almost the same cloth. I want to say because no matter what is been thrown in their way they've had curveballs all this season especially um just no matter what's in front of them it just seems like they don't get bothered they don't get rattled and they just take it all in stride they run with it and they just continue to dominate everybody no matter what it is whether it's uh a wacky schedules injuries um it it it's it's really impressive, and I I don't I never thought anybody would snap that uh, Alabama SEC streak. Honestly, I I didn't think it was really possible because modern athletics and you know NIL deals and all that. But uh, I'm telling you, no matter what happens, Georgia's Georgia's in it every week. Yeah, they are 29 in a row. As I said, Alabama 28 twice. Saban won 26 in a row. Um, you know, it's amazing Saban. Hey, listen, Lee, you know, I know this going, you know, Saban with a break here or there might have won 50 in a row. He might have broke Bud Wilkinson's Oklahoma record, oh, but, yeah. but that shows you how hard it is to win them all. He, he's only finished yeah. undefeated, uh, untied twice in his career at Alabama. Uh, Carson Beck, uh, tell me about Carson Beck. Lee Smith from CBS 46 in Atlanta with us. Um, he, he waited his time, you know, Bennett became a Georgia, you know, hero, but, but Carson Beck just kept waiting. Uh, what's, what's he like as a quarterback? He's a lot bigger than, than Stetson, a lot taller at least, but what, oh, yeah. uh, yeah. what, what have you seen from, from Beck that, uh, has allowed him to do what he's done this year? It's just resolve. And he's a, I, I guess technically he's a junior, but he's been there for four years. So he's registered junior and he's, uh, I, it just, he, he really kind of embodies this 23 team. I mean, Everyone around him has been hurt except for him, uh, including the offensive line. And then, you know, Lad McConkey, their best receiver, Brock Bowers, an All-American tight end, probably going to win his third Mackey in a row, uh, both been hurt. And no matter what happens, Carson Beck just continues to step up and throw to whoever he needs to. Um, they've got a couple receivers, Rosemary, uh, Marcus Rosemary, Jack Saint. Uh, kind of uh, third option, really, when the other two are healthy. But uh, Dylan Bell, Swiss Army Knife. He's so Carson Beck has weapons, but like he just cool, calm, collected. Mm-hmm. He just does not seem to get rattled. He's got 22 uh, touchdowns on the year, six interceptions. Actually, he's got fairly close stats to Jalen Milrow, except for the yardage. Um, he's got, I think, approximately a thousand more yards, but. Almost the exact same uh, touchdown and interception ratio, and he's played a lot more football. Um, but they they really – he leans on their run game, too. Mm-hmm. So that's really a big part of their offense. So, but he, he does not get rattled very often. Um, I'm telling With- you, he's he, – He's a calculated gunslinger. Yeah, yeah, he is. And with that being said, I talked about this earlier on the show. Um, Alabama's defensive front has a lot of talent. They've been up and down a little bit this year. Uh, you can't let him get, of course, obviously, if they get their running game going, then he gets in rhythm. Yeah. It can be a long day for the defense. Uh, how important, in your opinion, is it for Alabama up front, uh, not just with the edge guys, but to be able to get a push and disrupt his timing and, and, and get that Georgia offense off, you know, off stride, so to speak? Uh, very important. And, uh, just what I said about injuries, they've got a guard named Tate Ratledge who is, he started 11 of their 12 games this year. Um, but he didn't play last week against Georgia Tech. And, um, I guess there's a chance that he still doesn't play. 
he got banged up against, let me see, who um, the game right before this. And basically, um, they don't know if he's going to play, although Kirby came out and said that he, he could step up and, you know, he might be all right by game time. Um, he and Bowers were like the, the two that were more likely to play. Ladd McConkey's still out. But, um, but yeah, no, the offensive line is huge for, for them and what they want to do. They get that run game going, and then you've got basically your defense is going to be uh, the opposing defense is going to be on the hills all all game, and um, their running game actually got going pretty well against Georgia Tech. I think Kendall Milton had 158 yards and two touchdowns, um, and he's a guy that's been banged up too this year. But it seems like their running game is kind of finding and hitting their stride, where their passing game might be struggling a little bit. Lee, uh, living there in Atlanta, and there's a, there's a lot of Alabama people there too, Auburn people too, Tennessee people oh, yeah. too. It's kind of a hub right. for the SEC, but, but, you know, primarily it's Georgia and their fans have been enjoying the ride and I don't blame them, but, uh, you know, doing what I do for a living, I'm hearing from them and, and they seem just 100% confident, it, 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 incredibly oh, yeah. confident, almost oh. arrogant. And yet, Sometimes it's like Gene Stallings used to say, you whistle through the graveyard to try to prove everybody you're not scared. Down deep, they know what happened two years ago in that SEC championship game. And oh, yeah. even with even with them winning the national championship game, uh, Kirby's still only beaten Nick Saban one time. Do you feel like that's some false bravado? Are they really that confident or, or down deep? Or do you think they're nervous about this game? What, what do you, what's the vibe you're getting from the Georgia people over there? I still think it's 50-50. you got half the fan base who's got that uh, proven bravado, and then you've got uh, a couple who've got a little bit, uh, little bit of uh, unplaced or misplaced uh, anxiousness because they, they, they really know. I, I, I feel like in the back of their minds, honestly, it's going to take a couple of drives before people really know what's going on. Um, but, yeah, no, they are definitely confident and, uh, dare I say, a little cocky. But guess who was confident and cocky, you know, a couple of years ago when uh, they were winning in 2009, 11, and 12, you know. So it's kind of the same thing in my opinion. Uh, it's kind of weird because, like, I got to see three championships as a student, um, you know, and cover them. And then now I'm here with Georgia, and I promise you, it, it to me, it, it it's very, very similar um, in both of those comparisons. Well. Well, it's going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting. I know you, like I said, I'll, I'll see you at the game and, and, uh, it, it'll be electric. Uh, you mentioned Brock Bowers. Is, uh, is he, and of course, you know, he's, he's battled the injury bug a little bit. Is he the best tight end you've ever seen? I, I mean, honestly, yeah. Yeah. He really is. And the crazy part is he doesn't look like, uh, like a Darnell Washington who's 6'6 six, six and, you know, 260. But, you know, he's still 6'3", 6'4", maybe 240. The dude is just strong, and he just does not go down with one defender. I, I, I've never seen anything like it. Um, and, you know, once he – because he doesn't really go down the field a lot. He catches these little swing passes, and he has to get his momentum going. But, boy, once he gets going, he just doesn't stop. Yeah, it's going to gonna be something. Lee Smith, CBS 46 in Atlanta. And, uh, buddy, good to catch up, and I'll see you on Saturday. All right. Can't wait to see you, Gary. All right, 1027 here on the Gary Harris Show. All right, um, I'm excited to announce that we got a new uh, sponsor joining the program coming up on Friday, December the 1st, Krispy Kreme. Noah, so if you like Krispy Kreme donuts, my friend, you may be in line to get a few.
about that? But uh, Krispy Kreme's going to be joining us. Uh, Evan Smith, the owner, and um, boy, they got uh, a lot of promotions going on for December for the holidays. We're going to be talking about those, and excited to mention Krispy Kreme coming on board. All right, we're going to get to the uh, break, and when we come back, uh, Randy Ross, a longtime SEC football coach, Alabama. Arkansas, Vanderbilt outside the league at uh, SMU as a successful high school coach. Got to talk about the, the state of college football and what he's seen. Uh, we'll visit with Randy Ross next right here on the uh, Tuesday edition of the Gary Harris Show. Stay with us. Hey, Crimson. 2011, Billy Sports Grill, located on Main Avenue in historic downtown Northport, has been serving their legendary signature chicken sandwich, award-winning wings, and handcrafted cocktails. Billy's is also the spot to watch all your favorite sporting events with big screen, high-definition televisions in both dining rooms, at the bar, and outside on the beautiful patio. Come by and say hello to Kim and Lisa, the Billy's management dream team. Billy's good food, good friends, and good time. Join the Dive Offering University of Alabama Sports, as well as the national and local scene as well. The Gary Harris Show. Only on Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Welcome back into the Gary Harris Show. This Tuesday edition has just flown by. Of course, uh, we've had a lot of great material to talk about with the SEC Championship game coming up and that Iron Bowl that we witnessed on Saturday. And joining me to talk about uh, that and the state of college football, longtime SEC football coach, successful high school coach prior to that, uh, Randy Ross, uh, spent time at uh, Alabama, uh, Arkansas, Vanderbilt, outside the SEC, uh, 11 years at SMU, now retired here back in uh, the West Alabama area and just wanted to catch up with Randy and kind of get his thoughts on the, the state of college football. Good morning, Randy. How you doing, Coach? Hey, Gary. How are you this morning, buddy? Doing great, man. Good to have you back on. Uh, let's start with that Iron Bowl. You you saw a lot of them up close and personal. You know what it's like uh, to be a part of that game and the emotions involved, and particularly at Jordan-Hare. Auburn really feeds on that emotion. Alabama was a better football team but uh, couldn't separate, and uh, Auburn hung in there and looked like they were going to win the game, and then we saw one of the most miracle, you know, miraculous plays that we've ever seen in, in the history of college football. It seemed like the Iron Bowls at Jordan-Hare could provide that from time to time. What did you what did you take away from from that twenty seven twenty four Alabama victory? Well, you know, you said it. You said it right off there. It, it's just it's a different game, and, and I know a lot of people I talked to was upset we didn't beat them worse than we did. But listen, when you're at Alabama and you go down there and get a win, it right. I mean, at uh, Jordan Hare Stadium and get out of there, you're you're glad you got it. It doesn't matter how how you did it, but. They, uh, you know, they, they just, uh, I thought they kept competing. And, and, and when you go to, when you go down there to play, uh, there's just a different feel in the air. I mean, to me, they've got one goal in mind. That's if they can, they'd rather beat Alabama, keep them out of the, uh, national championship pitcher than to win the national championship themselves. And, uh, you know, we never thought that way. We, we always, uh, wanted to win the game and looked at the, at the bigger pitcher, but, so they put their whole focus on that game uh, every year. And, and I know a lot of weird things has happened down there. I was on staff when we went down there and Curtis Brown catches the ball in the back of the end zone and mm-hmm. wish we'd had instant replay back then. But, you know, it just seems everything down there always tends to go their way. So I was excited to see something go our way Saturday night, and it was a great win for those young guys. And, and uh, I think they're going to build on it, and I think they're going to come back and play outstanding game this week. 
Yeah, you know, watching that game Saturday, and like you said, ninety-five Brown definitely got his toe down, uh, and that that would have been a that would have been a win at, at Jordan Hare. But I, I felt like you know Alabama was a better team. Alabama knew it. Auburn knew it. I think everybody knew it. But I mentioned not being able to separate. You know, early in the game, you get a three and out. You go right down and stuff it in the end zone. You get another three and out. You get the ball back. You got a fourth and one. You dial up a great play call. Reese dialed up a great play call to Kendrick Law. He was basically untouched. They get uh, Dupree for a hook there, which, you know, technically I guess it was a penalty. You rarely see that call, especially when it didn't really impact the play. But if Alabama goes up there, Coach, 14 nothing. Again, we'll never know. But their inability to separate, I, I, you know, Auburn wanted to run the ball and wanted to shorten the game. Uh, you know, they didn't trust Thorne, I think, to get in a, a scoring fest there. But when they're able to stay within one score, or certainly when they had the lead, they can play the way they want offensively. I just felt like Alabama could have got them behind two scores, three scores in the game. Uh, you know, it had been hard for them to come back, but it never, it just never happened. Well, and I agree with you. I, I knew when they called the touchdown back on the one you're talking about, the, would have put us up 14 to nothing. I, I knew then, I said, well, that kind of gave them a little burst of energy and a little hope. And, and, you know, just, it's a, it's amazing. You, you, everybody hears this and you, you, you guys talk about it all the time, but you look back, there's always four or five plays in the game. We hear that over and over. It's, it's, I know it's a, it's a overused cliche, but basically, if you do look back, there's always four or five plays that completely changed the game. Had we got that touchdown, went up 14 to nothing, I'll agree with you. I think it would have been a totally different outcome. And, and people, you know, I've been in on, on those sidelines. I've been in that locker room and I, it's just amazing what one or two plays can do to trigger a team's confidence and make them feel like, hey, this may be our day. And, and you know, you're you're at Auburn, you're you know, you're going into the game six and five, you got no, absolutely nothing to lose. And so, uh, you know, on the other hand, we had everything to lose by if you lose the game, you're not in the opportunity to play for the national championship. And so, you know, those plays I agree with you. I think if we got up early and I think it would have been a totally different outcome. We'll never know, but I just know I've seen that momentum swing in, in games. Sometimes it's hard to ever get it back, and, and I think that's kind of what happened Saturday. Gave them a little bit of confidence and hope. And, and uh, again, they had nothing to lose, so they're playing lights out. Randy, being on that sideline, and we're gonna, we're gonna, we are going to move on from this, but I just wanted to get your, your iron bow thoughts, the coaching hat when you're there and you're playing at, at, at Jordan-Hare. Uh, or any of these games. And, and I have, you know, I try to be understanding of officials. I know how tough a job it is. I know you know how tough a job it is. They're never going to be perfect. Uh, it, it is a tough deal, but it just seems like, uh, I almost call it reverse Alabama bias. I think that, you know, we, you and I both know every Monday, or really every Sunday after an Alabama game, the SEC gets flooded with emails from fans of the opposing 13 schools saying Alabama privilege, you know, screenshots, all this stuff. I don't think an official ever goes into a game thinking, you know, I'm going to favor one team over the other. But I do think, and again, this is just my opinion, I do think sometimes it's in the back of their minds that when you're doing an Alabama game, the last thing you want to do is be that crew where everybody's saying, you know, Alabama got favoritism. I think it works against Alabama sometimes in some of these games, uh, whether it's at Tennessee, LSU, Auburn, wherever. I, I just think a lot of times officials uh, in their mind's eye are saying, you know what, I'm going to make sure that nobody 
points the finger at me and says I favored Alabama. I I just got that vibe Saturday after they missed that early face mask. I was thinking to myself, well, you can you can count out Alabama getting a call the rest of the way, and 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 they really didn't seem to anything to that, or it's just a sportscaster rambling. Well, you know what? Hey, Gary, I'm going to talk off the. Here, here's the deal. I, I don't have an AD or a president or a head coach to answer to now. That's right. right. I only got my. I only got my wife. So I'm going. You know, we all had these feelings through the years, and we we'd sit in a lot. This was all locker room talk, but I'm talking about coaches' locker room or staff or whatever. But you know, I think deep down, I mean, we're people who are making a lot of decisions today. They're human beings. They have emotions. They have feelings. And living outside the state of Alabama, living outside the SEC kind of perimeters there for a while in uh, Texas and, and all that, people just literally hate Alabama. They hate the SEC. And uh, I'm talking in, you know, general terms yes. of other schools. And, and when I say hate, they don't, know Foot, they don't hate them. Football they just, hate, they're, yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, they're tired of them winning. Yeah. And, uh, so they're they're looking forward to the day when Alabama's not on top. I had a guy one time in Dallas. He was he told me that he said I just long for the day Alabama's not on top. And I mean, you know, I think that's kind of a sort of a attitude a lot of people have. And I think it carries over into uh, this college football playoff committee. I think they'd love to get the SEC this year out of the. I think they're sitting there right now saying, hey, we hope Alabama beats Georgia. We're going to put both of them field six, whatever. We can get them out of the picture if the others can win. And, and, and I think that's human nature. They may mm-hmm. never say it. They may, they may never breathe it. But deep down, that's kind of human nature. And, and so I'm not going to disagree with you on that. I think there are some, anytime you got a, uh, you know, you got, the human factor involved in it, you can't remove the emotions of the people doing it. There's just no way you can do that. It's like me. I mean, I I grew up an Alabama fan in North Alabama. I loved Alabama. You know, I listened to them every Saturday. Every day I went to work here for 17 years. I drove up to that football office. I knew it was an honor to be here. I loved it, and it was special to me. So I'm very biased to Alabama. And so, I mean, even when I was at uh, – um, SMU in, in Arkansas, I still always kept up and wanted to know what was going on at the University of Alabama. So even though my feelings shouldn't have gotten involved in that as a coach at other places or football ops, whatever I was doing, I mean, it's, it's just the emotion part of it, I couldn't ever let go of it. Uh, I hope that sort of makes sense because I think that happens in what you're saying. Great analysis right there, and uh, I'm with you. I think the human emotion is real. Randy Ross, longtime uh, SEC and college football coach with us, uh, breaking down the Iron Bowl. Now let's move on to this game coming up Saturday, and, I mean, it is what it is. Uh, Alabama hasn't gone anywhere. And, and, and to, to your point about people wanting to see Alabama fall, I think the way the season started, a lot of people thought this was going to be the year, <laughs> and they're big mad that it hasn't happened. But, uh, but Georgia right now is on top, back-to-back national championships, 29 wins in a row, breaking the market. Alabama set by Coach Bryant and by Coach Stallings. Of course, Saban's had 26 in a row. Um, so Alabama gets to be the hunter, Coach, and that's that's rare. Now they're the underdog. Uh, coming off this this Iron Bowl, uh, I like Alabama's position. Not that they don't have any, something to lose, because obviously they do. An SEC championship's at stake and a spot possibly in the college football playoff. But I, I think that they're freed up a little bit, and uh, they kind of get to be in the Auburn role just a tad. Is that the way you see it? 
Yeah, I think you're. I think you're hitting it right on the head. I think. I think the approach, and I don't have any idea what the staff will do or anything, but I think right now the approach they're taking this week is basically, hey, we're going to play our best. We're going to make plays, and and uh, we're not going to be uptight. Pressure's on Georgia. It's unusual that, that, like you just said, that the pressure is normally on Alabama to continue. And, you know, I was with Coach Stallings when we had that 28-game win streak, and I'm on tape now. That's hard to do in peewee football. Mm-hmm. And, I mean, when you win 28 or 29 games, and, and people can say, you know, that if you haven't been around those kids and all that, they're still 18, 19, 20-year-old kids, and, and that pressure begins to mount, you know, because you're sitting there going, man, we don't want to be the team that loses this, breaks this 29-game winning streak. So everything tends to, to kind of, make them have that attitude or that thinking in their mind. If something were to go wrong a little bit, it it, it just changes. Uh, I've been around those guys. It just changes the way they approach a game. And I think our guys can just go play. And, um, like, you know, it's kind of the reverse of last week. Auburn had nothing to lose. We had everything to lose. This week, Georgia's, you know, basically got everything to lose. We don't have anything to lose, if you look at it that way. And, and, we're not the kind of team that's always in that situation of trying to be the underdog or anything like that. But at the same time, I just really think these guys are going to go play good. I've been telling everybody, I said, if there's anybody in the country, and I felt this way last year. I really did. I was upset they didn't put Alabama in the playoffs last year because I kept telling people, I said, if there's anybody that can beat Georgia, I think it's Alabama. And I feel that way right now. I think if there's one team right now that can beat Georgia, It'll be the University of Alabama, and we've done pretty well over in Atlanta in in the past. So I, I think everything's in our favor this week, and I, and I think these kids are going to go play lights out. Yeah, Nick Saban undefeated in Mercedes-Benz Stadium, only one loss as the, as the Alabama coach in Atlanta. That was 2008, the SEC championship game to Tebow and the Gators at the old Georgia Dome. So, yeah, Alabama's got a good track record there, and I agree with you 100%. I, if, if Alabama doesn't beat Georgia on Saturday, I think they're going to win another national championship. I, I think they're the only team that can do it, too, so we'll see. Randy Ross with us talking college football. Coach, your thoughts on uh, where we're at? Um, you know, I, I mean, covering the sport the way I do, I, I would – you know, I, I would make a case that the college football, college athletics overall has probably changed more in the last, you know, five years than it changed in the previous 50. I mean, with what we're dealing with with NIL and the portal and, and trying to balance budgets and, and constantly having to raise money. I remember you've been in the, on the development side of it too. I tell people, people talk about, well, you're always raising money for facilities. I said, yeah, but on a facility, a facility project, there is a cap. At some point you raise enough to, to build what you're building. Um, NIL, it never ends. Every year, you gotta restock the coffers and you're going to the same people asking for NIL money. Uh, where are we and, 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 you know, can we sustain what we're dealing with right now in, in college athletics? Well, you know, I talked to all my buddies that's still doing this and, and still active and, and I tell you, it's a major concern. We've taken a 180 degree turn from the past 10 years or whatever. Things that were illegal 10 years ago are legal today. All the, you know, the things that we said, hey, you can't do this and you can't do that today. You've got to do it to, to compete. Mm-hmm. And, and I think that's why the teams that are successful right now, you know, they make those adjustments. Alabama makes them. Coach Saban them do a great job of making adjustments to whatever is best for what's going on in today's situation. But I will say this. There's a major, major concern. You read about it. But there, it's, it's true. There's a major concern out there right now about where everything's headed. 
And one of the things you made a great point is, is when you do a, a, a facility upgrade, you do have an end to that thing. So basically, if you can just go out, you got a couple of guys that donate millions of dollars or whatever, you've asked them for one-time gift. And now That's right. it's a it's a lifetime. I mean, you're asking them year in and year out and year in and year out. And, and eventually, you know, the well's going to kind of run dry, as old saying goes, with a lot of different people. They're they're going to give and they're going to give and they're going to give. But at some point, they can't keep doing it. So that's a huge concern right now with everybody. And, I, and there's a lot of things going on underneath the table. Hopefully, they'll be able to come up with some kind of resolution to it. And, uh, you know, that transfer portal, all that is just it, – it is – it weighs heavy on these guys' minds every day. And so you're right. College football's made a complete turnaround. It's, it's, it shouldn't almost be called college. It should be semi-NFL mm-hmm. right now because everything's about, you know, the money, the money you can raise, the money kids are getting paid. And so, and it's, and it's also, too, I got a friend that works in the NCAA office. There's a huge concern right now with, with the kids. Kids making $800,000 a year. In college football, he gets out of school. He can't make it in the NFL. He goes to work. He's making a hundred thousand. Now he's got all these things. He's built this, uh, built around himself on an eight hundred thousand dollar salary. He goes back to a hundred thousand. It's crazy as it sounds. There's a huge concern behind the closed doors. Then say now, what's going to happen to these kids mentally when they get out away from that, mm-hmm. and and they're not making that kind of money. So. There, this thing doesn't stop with just paying players. It goes to things that the average person don't think about on a daily basis. And uh, so I, I, I'm i really concerned about the direction it's going from the standpoint of what's going to be the resolution at the end. I think there are some. It's just a matter of, you know, and then you get into the legal part. Can you, can you really enforce certain things? Can You know, so it all goes back to so many issues that the NCAA is faced with, and I know they catch a lot of flack, mm-hmm. but a lot of times they're they're held back by what the court. Oh, absolutely! Well. I'm glad you said that because the the NCAA is a is a is a whipping boy. I get it. I don't agree with a lot of things they do, but it's like the whole um, you know they should have got out in front of it. They should have. You know why would you? I mean, I'm just being honest. I mean, let's just take our hate the NCAA glasses off for a moment. And, and they had a system that worked. It worked for everybody. It was in place. It had stood the test of time. Of course they wanted to keep that system, Coach. That's just, you know, and they fought to keep it. And obviously they lost. And now we're in a state of flux. But uh, it's easy to say, well, they should have got out in front and started. But, you know, saying you're going to start paying players and do all this stuff, it, it's we're seeing what it's happening now. It's like you said, the big picture, how are you going to keep up with this, even from a tax standpoint and whether or not we're going to unionize and all this. I don't necessarily blame the NCAA for fighting to keep a, a, a policy in place that was effective for a lot of people. Well, I agree with you. And I, I think they could have adjusted some. Sure. I'm not against the kids getting no, money. Me I think they deserve. And you know, I, Hey, I'm just me and you sitting here talking. We're not going to change it, but I'm telling you, I wished in a way a lot of people had the idea of let's 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 have a kind of a standard payment. Let's say mm-hmm. 20, freshmen get twenty five thousand a year, Fre- uh, sophomores get fifty, whatever you want to do, and and you know most people's on board to do that, but then you got a few that's not. Then you know obviously the NCAA fought it all the way, Supreme Court lost there, and and um, trying to control it and. So it's, it's, uh, you know, it's kind of like, uh, 
I was talking to, I try to talk to Coach Stallings every couple of weeks and stay in touch with him, but we were talking about it one day, and it's like he said, you know, it doesn't matter. Same teams are going to win. They're trying to change it to where they can let other teams win, but if you look at the history of college football, there's only been a set group of guys that's won the national championship through the years. About five teams have won about 75% of all national championships, and and they're going to continue to do that. And uh, they're going to figure out a way how to do it. And and um, it, the problem is to me, and I I loved the kids when I was around them and always wanted to try to help them be the best they could be and, and help them beyond football. And what I'm concerned about more than anything right now is after college. What what? Because that was always a huge concern to us, always. Mm-hmm. When these guys leave the University of Alabama, wherever you're at, What's going to happen to them? And right now, I think that's where your major concern comes in is is what's what's the future afterwards? And and uh, I think we're doing them a huge injustice sometimes of saying, hey, eight hundred thousand a year is easy to come by. No, it's not. No, Ask everybody listening to this radio. How many yeah. people listening to this radio show is making eight hundred thousand dollars a year? Nobody much. And so, percentage wise, and and so that's the issue today is i think we went so far from the left you know over we just we did we just went boom 180 mm-hmm. degrees in the opposite direction so and that's a huge concern with a lot of the coaches i talk to you know on a daily basis and i've got a couple of guys i work with that are head coaches and that's uh it's it's a it's a really really big concern more than people would ever imagine yeah, and uh, we're um, we, I said said this last time you were on. I probably need to book a couple segments with you because we could keep going on this topic. The, the last thing I'll say on that is that the system worked for a long time because kids saw the benefit of getting a college education. But somewhere along the line, people in my business had a lot to do with it, with terms like being exploited and taken advantage of. Kids now don't see a scholarship and free tuition and free meals and free lodging and free medical care and free uh, you know ec- extra counseling for academics. They don't see that. It's about how much money can you give me, and that's a shame. And Coach Stallings you, has, has alluded to that. You know, he, he always says, "I thought going to college was about getting an education," and some of that's been lost. And and we we don't allow kids now to see what you used to recruit guys, and it was a big deal to get a scholarship to the University of Alabama. The argument that I'll use, Coach, and I want to get your quick reaction to this is: I heard an analyst say back when they were trying to get this in place, and he said, "Well, you know, the music major can go down and get a job at McDonald's." You know, and make extra money and, and a football player or basketball player can't do that. Well, you know what then? I don't see any parents turning, you don't, don't take the athletic scholarship. Send your kid to school, pay the tuition, let them get a job at McDonald's. I didn't see anybody taking that avenue. Did you, coach? I never saw anybody taking no, that avenue. That's, that's right. And I, I tell you something else too, Gary, along those lines, we did a terrible job in college football, NCA. Everybody did a terrible job educating the people on what these kids were already getting. Before the NIL came about, mm-hmm. the kids at our, uh, excuse me, the kids at SMU, because I handled all this, all the kids there were above and beyond all expenses for college and all that. They were getting what was called, you, the term now is not even around much anymore, cost of attendance. And so we were all getting a COA. Our kids were getting anywhere from twenty two to 28000 a year above their scholarship. That was just free spending money. Well, nobody knew that. When I got to Arkansas, basically every kid on scholarship was getting around thirty-three thousand a year. That was co. That was cost of attendance. 
that was above and beyond their scholarship. And and now not all of them, maybe some of them were twenty five. Yep. It all depended on their Pell Grant or whatever. But they were all. getting they were getting a lot. And you're right, people overlooked that. Hey, coach, I've got a wrap, man. But uh, thank you so much, and we'll do it again soon. Absolutely, Gary. Thanks for having me on, man. You got a great show, and I enjoy it every day. All right, thank you, coach. Randy Ross, ten fifty four. We'll break, and uh, no, we'll come back and wrap it up quick. You know what happens in a plasma chamber? This is Old Colony Golf Course is an 18-hole championship layout designed by 1976 U.S. Open champion Jerry Pate. Director of Golf John Gray and fitting specialist Bob Montgomery are PGA certified. Mike Shivitz is the head professional and director of the Tuscaloosa Junior Golf Program. Call today to secure a tee time at the Tuscaloosa Championship Golf Course. Everyone can play. 205-562-3201. Old Colony is operated by Para. Want to jump into any of the shows? Call Tide 100.9 right now at 205-342-9904. Well, somebody answer that damn phone. That's 205-342-9904. All right, we got to get out of here. For Noah Haynes, I'm Gary Harris. Thanks for listening to the Gary Harris Show, and I'll be back tomorrow morning at 9 a.m. Miller's Edge is coming up next at 11 a.m. Have a great day, everybody. Thank you for listening to the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. I'm embarrassed to say.